Vayeshev in the Revi, which is today's portion of the Chumash, it's, I think, one of the uh, perplexing pieces in the Chumash, when you try to read it in the simple pshat, uh, it seems to be difficult to understand. So, Bekitzer, the, the, the Torah relates that uh, Yehuda, one of the brothers, he went and he married and he had three sons. And then he took a wife for his oldest son. Her name was Tamar. And the older son didn't behave properly. So Hashem uh, killed him, it says. He died. And then she married the second son of Yehuda's. He also didn't behave properly. And now the expectation was that Tamar is going to marry Shayla, who was the youngest of the three sons. She's going to marry him. But Yehuda didn't really want to make that marriage because he saw that her earlier two husbands, his two older sons, they both died. So he wasn't in a rush to um, marry her to Tamar. And the uh, Pasuk says that uh, there was an occasion that Yehuda was after his wife passed away and he was uh, going, he was sharing the, uh, the cattle over there, the, the, the animals. So at that particular time it became, it came to the attention of Tamar that uh, her father-in-law, which Yehuda is going to be passing by. So she removed her uh, uh, widow garments um, that she was wearing because she was a widow from her husband. She sat in the uh, crossroads. And then when Yehuda had a relationship with her, and from that intimacy later on, she became pregnant. So later on, Yehuda is told that his daughter-in-law, who's supposed to be single, that she's pregnant. So what does Yehuda say? The words in the Pasuk is, he says, Take her out, and we'll burn her. Now, in the Torah, we have the capital offenses, in which we have the four Misos Bezdin, the four capital for special uh, violations of certain laws. Okay, so that's already hard to understand in of itself. But what takes place later on? Uh, later on, she sends, now at the time of the exchange, uh, she wanted something in return for her services. So he didn't have uh, right then and there what she asked, so she took a collateral, she took Yehuda's personal items to hold on to them until we exchanged. But of course, she wasn't a harlot, she wasn't there, that was just to be together with Yehuda for that. But Yehuda goes back and tries to find her, he can't find her, so he says, let her keep it. But when Yehuda condemns her to death and he's saying, she goes ahead 
And she doesn't just come out in the open and say, well, I am pregnant from you, from Yehuda, that you're the father of this child. And the Gemara learns from this that one should rather allow themselves to be thrown into the furnace and not to shame. I mean, these are very powerful words of Achazal. It, how far one has to make sure not to shame another person that you even give up your life, not just give up your life. You're totally innocent. In this case, Tamar was not, uh, not a hard thing, and she told him, but still, the Gemara learns from him that a person should rather allow himself to throw into a furnace and not embarrass another person. So she didn't come out right and tell to Yehuda, you're the father of this child. She said it in a discreet way, and she allowed for Yehuda the opportunity to sort of save her life and her unborn baby's life. And she says to the person that these belong, and she took out those personal items that Yehuda has left with her, to the one that these belong, that's the one is the father of his children. And Yehuda admitted, the Gemara later on accounts it in several places about the great Zuchus of Yehuda, that he admitted, and that's why the bones of the of Yosef, the Gemara says, and the, that was the fact that Yehuda admitted he took, he had the courage, and he says, I am the father of this child. It's my stuff, so she proved it. But then there's something very interesting. The Torah says that Yosef Ledaito. Now, what is Yosef Ledaito? What does that mean? So Rashi brings down two commentaries from the Chazal. One says that he ceased his relationships with her. He, he no longer had any further relationships with her. That was that one time occurrence. But then Rashi brings another interpretation that that he never stopped and he basically married her after that. So here the question, I guess you want to know when you're reading the Parsha and the simple thing, you want to know did Tamar do something wrong? I mean, why was she condemned, why was she condemned to death? And now since it's Yehuda, then it's okay. So if she did something wrong, like some of the Mepharshim learn, they say, even though, you know, there are certain laws, I mean, let's remember, this is before Matan Torah, uh, even after Matan Torah, the laws of these relationships is in, in Parshas, in Achrei Mois, in Kedoshim, also took, it's a year later, it's way there, it wasn't right in Matan Torah, it was later on that these laws were articulated. But we're talking about way, way before Matan Torah, before, before they given the Torah. These people weren't bound by the laws of the Torah. So, even if the laws of the Torah would uh, say that in such a case she was guilty of the death penalty, uh, but still, that wasn't the Torah time yet. It wasn't yet given the Torah. Not only that, the truth of the matter is that she did not really have a status of a married woman because her husband's died. Now, some of Farshim will explain, they want to extend this, they want to stretch it by saying that because she was waiting to marry Shayla, it's a yibum, it's sort of a kind of a yibum, as we see in the Parsha, that she first married the older and then the second one. So this was sort of, there was a connection there. 
But the prohibition of a woman who is waiting for the Yobam or Chalitza is only a love. It's only maximum, it's a prohibition. If a woman who is waiting to be married, then she has a relation with somebody else, it'll be Malchus, it'll be there, it'll be that. But it won't be, there's no Chiv Misa for that kind of conduct. Even if after the Torah was given. And this is not, in fact, this was before the Torah was given. But the the most difficult thing is to understand if she did have some status, a relationship with Shayla, and she was waiting for him, and therefore there was a uh, it was upon her not to have any relation with other people. That's why she was to serve. How could Yehuda, maybe the first time he made a mistake? He didn't know. He thought that she was not, uh, he took a chance, which also the Gemara discusses the whole thing. He asked her all kinds of questions, you know, before he had the relationship with her. He just didn't, you know, there's the Chazal are full explaining a lot of this, the details of it. But even if we should assume that the first time was a mistake, he didn't know, he had a relationship. How could Rashi bring down from the Chazal that he kept on living with her, that he married her, but she was Shemeris uh, Yabam? She had a Yabam over there. So he, how, could he, how could he marry her? But anyway, so Rashi, therefore we have to say, and again, it's a, a lengthy discussion. It's more than uh, the time allotted now. But I just wanted to bring out that from the Rashi, Rashi says that she was the daughter of shame. It seems like in the Pashtas from the Pesukim, it seems like it wasn't by the law of the Torah. Because if it was by the law of the Torah, then she did not violate any laws of the Torah. It almost seems like there was a special status, as we find by the people of Shechem. We find the two brothers, Shimon and Levi, killing the whole entire city of Shechem. How could they kill? How could they kill all the people over there? And Okay, it's it's Shvichas Domim. Apparently, as Rashi brings down over there, the Umas Godrun Atzmin Arayis after the Mabel, the people have sort of themselves concluded certain laws that they have taken upon themselves. It was sort of became the law of the land that this was a capital offense, and people that were. Um, at a special statue status, like the Bita Shel Shame, who was a Koyen, they had a higher status. They had a specific laws. So this wasn't from the law of the Torah, but this was more a com- a law that was instituted by the community. That's why Shimon Levi had the right to do what they did, because by right at that time, such kind certain kinds of relationship was prohibited. She was considered as a daughter of Koyen. That's what Rashi says. But that was only because she was perceived as being a Zoyna. As Rashi says, Rashi says, that she was free for all. But once it was established that actually it wasn't that Tamar had that status, but it was actually that that was a one-time thing, as Rashi says, that she was Misava, that she desired to have children from Yehuda, and she realized Baruch HaKodesh, that this is actually going to be, if you think about it, I mean, uh, this is the uh, foundation for uh, for David Melech Yisrael, for Mashiach Ben David, the entire leadership of Klal Yisrael, for all the future generation, comes from this sort of... Uh, uh, seemingly an act which wasn't seemingly positive. So 
but it was Nizgala once she says that she was from him, so that it wasn't that she was a Mufkeres, that she was uh, just a, a harlot like that. So that's why Rashi says Danul Israifa, but once Yehuda found out that this was uh, from him, then it turned out that she was actually not only kosher, but she was a tzaddikis, and she was had the zechus to later on be the father of, of all the greatest leaders of Klal Yisrael and the Mitzvah Shem of Mamash Mashiach b'meir b'meinu.